You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Xavier University is tackling Ohio's nursing shortage by giving individuals with non-nursing bachelor's degrees an opportunity to accelerate into the profession. Whether you studied accounting, biology, marketing, or anything in between, our ABSN program can prepare you for nursing practice in as few as 16 months. So if nursing is your calling, now's the time to answer it. Enroll for one of three terms at our locations in Cincinnati, Cleveland, or Columbus. Search Xavier ABSN to apply. Why should you visit Kings Island? Do it because less time planning means more time for this. Do it to take a one-day family vacation. Do it to catch a serious case of the giggles together. And of course, do it to eat a funnel cake the size of your face. Because here at Kings Island, doing something just for the fun of it is all the reason you need. Right now, everyone pays kids price. Kings Island tickets just $45 online. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Show. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into the latest box office news, movie news, and streaming news from around the industry. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Gold Show. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into the latest box office news and giving our review of the latest series, Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Obi-Wan Kenobi, Part 1 and Part 2. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. Check them out today at pondex.com. Use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. And we'd also like to remind you, we have merch available. The link will be in the description for our store. Check it out today. 
And on to our first topic. Top Gun Maverick soars and sets new records. As foreshadowed a few days ago, Top Gun Maverick has indeed had a massive opening weekend of the box office, taking the number one spot with ease and handily setting a new record for the opening of a Tom Cruise movie. And if it keeps up this pace, it will also handily set a new record for Memorial Day weekend, counting just the regular weekend days because Monday hasn't happened yet. Maverick has made $124 million. That's a smaller debut than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but it's certainly the biggest opening for a non-superhero film in quite some time. Granted, it's not like Top Gun Maverick is some kind of serious adult drama, but if you're one of those internet people who bases their entire personality on thinking that the MCU is bad, then we hope you're happy. Speaking of the good doctor, he fell nearly 50% from last week down to only $16 million. That's a ton of money, so it'll be interesting to see how Top Gun goes in the next few weeks before Thor and Love and Thunder arrives. The other big debut this weekend, the Bob Burgers movie, opened at $12.6 million. At the risk of being over-realistic, probably won't make a ton more than that. On another, it'll be interesting to see, note though, it'll be interesting to see how it continues to fare against the fourth place movie, Downton Abbey and New Era which has made $28 million after two weeks. They're both TV show tie-ins, and also Downton Abbey exists as a TV show in the Bob's Burgers universe. Though it's not as popular as American knockoff Winthorpe Manor. Save for a big fall for men, down 62% to ninth place and $1.2 million. The rest of the chart this weekend is nearly identical to the past few weekends with everything everywhere all at once, falling more slowly than everything else, and sitting at almost $60 million in its 10th week. The third newcomer in the top 10 coming in right at the bottom is Indian film F3, which made $1 million from only 400 theaters. That's a better per-screen average than everything but the top three. So to break it down, for the full top three, Top 10, excuse me. Number one, we got Top Gun Maverick. Number two is Doctor Strange. Number three is Bob's Burgers movie. Number four, like we said, is Downton Abbey. Number five is The Bad Guys. Number six is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Number seven is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number eight is The Lost City. Number nine is Men. And like we previously said, rounding out the top 10 is F3. Let us know in the comments section below. Have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet? Let us know your thoughts. Spoiler-free comments, I should say. Did you see anything that surprised you in the film? Is it better than the first or about the same? Let us know. So now we're going to go into episode four of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Episode four, Memento Mori. It's a horror-tinged face-off with a classic franchise villain proves there's basically nothing Strange New Worlds can't do. Another week has passed and another knockout episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is officially in the books. At the risk of sounding like an effusive fanboy, I think I might be at this point, is there anything else this show can't do? Hopeful adventure? Check. In-depth character exploration? Check. And now a high-octane, tension-filled horror fest that manages to reinvent a classic original series villain. 
is something truly menacing and monstrous while allowing almost every one of our favorites a moment of true, genuine bravery in the face of their fears. Hello, listener. I truly just love this show so much, and there's so much that's awful in the world right now. I recorded this episode just days after the country continues to reel from the recent mass shooting. And Gene Roddenberry's dream of a better, kinder universe feels so far away from us at this precise moment in time. And sure, a science fiction television program probably isn't going to change any of that horror in a tangible, real way. But I can say with some certainty that shows like this that embrace hope and empathy and compassion, or try to anyway, even in the face of the worst sort of odds and darkest moments, feel more necessary than ever right now. It's what's helping me. It's what's helping get me through for what's what it's worth, which maybe isn't much, but something. But anyhow, this week, the Enterprise is en route to deliver an atmospheric processor upgrade to a remote colony. But they, when they arrive, they discover the outpost has been attacked and essentially abandoned. The surviving colonists have fled to a cargo ship nearby. All standard rescue mission stuff, if with a more distinctly horror movie vibe than normal. What with the flaming wreckage and lack of power, things take a much darker turn when a ship appears and attacks the deep space transport tube, bringing injured survivors to the Enterprise. It's the Gorn. And the way everyone reacts to this news, it's essentially as if someone announced that Ghostface or Michael Myers had suddenly appeared. They're a real boogeyman, an intergalactic scary story come to life. Continuing the trend of the series' first three installments, it's essentially a Leon episode. Her voiceovers frame the hour, and her unique experience as one of the few survivors of a Gorn attack provides a necessary perspective on how dangerous they truly are. The fact that Leon is still so traumatized by her experience with them, given everything else we know about her and her ability to compartmentalize emotions, says something truly horrifying about what kind of monsters they must be. It's rare that we get a villain in this franchise that's truly full-on evil. Even the Borg, my go-to favorite Star Trek, Big Bad, have been somewhat defanged by the most recent season of Star Trek Picard. So there's something marvelously poetic about the possibility of making Pike's recurring nemesis the most purely evil creature in the Trek world. He's such a relentless hero figure, a guy who believes in the power of everything the Federation stands for and wants to see the best in every species he meets, no matter how alien they might be. The Gorn don't care about any of that. How will Pike deal with an enemy that essentially goes against everything he values that doesn't operate from a moral perspective that he understands? And how far is he willing to go to defeat them? Despite the constantly looming threat of the Gorn and Leon's palpable, if somewhat repressed fear, Strange New Worlds smartly never shows us their take on these creatures. Which, let's be real, were not exactly bone-chilling monsters in the original series. By leaving the Gorn to our imaginations, at least for now, the show allows us to fill in the gaps with our own ideas about what scares us most, all while managing to remain canon-compliant for now, which the Enterprise had never met them before. But mostly it is 
Isn't it always that little bit more frightening when you can't clearly see the thing that's chasing you? Memento Mori is also a strange new world's most action-oriented episode yet, featuring ship-to-ship combat, dramatic surgery without the benefit of high-tech 23rd century medicine, crew members willing to pay the ultimate price to save each other. Spoiler alert, all the sets look properly fantastic. While Pike and the bridge crew are trying to come up with a way to escape the Gorn ships, Hemmer and Yahura are trying to prevent a deadly explosion in the cargo hold. And Mbenga and Chapel are basically triaging patients in sickbay using what they refer to as ancient science. It all feels very much like a submarine thriller, a sort of Strange New World version of the original series Balance of Terror episode that introduced the Romulans, except with the fi- without the final reveal of the enemy at the end. From the flickering lighting to the groaning, creaking sounds of the ship's hull, slowly buckling under the increased pressure from the brown dwarf, it's claustrophobic and oppressive in a way that would be frightening enough without the whole being hunted by a vicious, murdering alien race thing. Pike is in his most charmingly hot hero mode this week, determined, firm, and dedicated to keeping his crew alive. Alive, calm, and fully invested in the fight to save their own lives. He's essentially the platonic ideal of a Starfleet captain come to life. True, there are several moments where we as the audience have to wonder if he'd take insane risks, like purposefully skirting the edge of a black hole if he didn't feel some level of pre preternatural confidence that his death wasn't waiting for him there. But I suppose you could argue that just because he saw the moment he'd become disfigured and paralyzed as a fixed point doesn't mean that he couldn't get hurt before then, does it? Either way, I'm not entirely sure it matters. Since Pike is also the sort of man who just trusts his crew wholeheartedly, and the strength of his belief in them is honestly enough to make those of us watching along at home believe in them too. At one point, Pike tells his bridge to get creative, that they're the best of Starfleet, and then they can do anything because of that. And honestly, at this point, yeah, he's probably right. So this episode, I'm going to go through a 4.5 out of 5 stars. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And now on to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Part one, part two, or I guess what they're referring to now is episode one and two. Fun character dynamics, solid motivations, and prequel nostalgia make the Obi-Wan Kenobi series a Star Wars treat. 
Ewan McGregor's return as Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi is a prequel kid dream. With the Sword of Cast reunion, the sequel trilogy provided for the kids of the 80s. McGregor and Hayden Christensen are poised to stoke the same fervor for fans who grew up in the early 2000s. Luckily, Deborah Chow brings her directorial confidence from The Mandalorian to a strong start for the six-episode Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries. Backed by the tragic events of the prequel trilogy and McGregor's powerful acting, the two-part opener offers plenty of Star Wars delight and solid characterization. For the, at least for the Jedi on the run, we should say. Ten years after Anakin's transformation into Darth Vader, Obi-Wan is trying to keep his head down while working at 9 to 5 for his meals, just carving away meat from a desert whale day after day. A slightly slow first episode, in fact, nails the rhythm of life on Tatooine. Every day, pretty much the same, with the occasional unpreventable and unavenged injustice or death. One can see why Luke wanted to leave. Obi-Wan is also feeling lost in regards to his dead mentor, Qui-Gon, who refuses to talk to him from beyond the grave, despite Obi-Wan training to speak to Jedi ghosts. It's clear that so many years later he feels cut off from the Jedi ways. We see this too when the Emperor's Inquisitors arrive on Tatooine hunting Nari, Jedi runaway who Obi-Wan refuses to help. With that comes the premiere's biggest surprise and one of its greatest delights. Vivian Belair strikes a perfect balance as 10-year-old Princess Leia Organa, combining qualities from both Carrie Fisher's Leia and Natalie Portman's Padme to create something all her own that feels effortlessly suited to the Star Wars universe. Leia even uses decoys like Padme, in this case to run off into the woods instead of attempting a political function, while Luke is just a glimpse from afar the show delights at showing Alderaan royal life in detail including the return of Jimmy Smith's as Bail Organa. Little Leia is headstrong, precocious, and clearly adores her parents, all of which endears and reminds us tragically that Alderaan has about another decade of his existence left. Even in this time period, not all is well in the House of Alderaan. Pirates working for the Inquisitors capture Leia, so Bail sends a distress call to Obi-Wan. Despite not wanting to raise his head above the sand, Obi-Wan does follow the princess's trail to a seedy city on the planet Dayu. It's there in part two that the series gets up to speed. With faster-paced storytelling and some remarkable one-off characters, the Inquisitors are hunting Obi-Wan and Leia, but it's Reva, the third sister, who's willing to go the extra mile to be the first one to bring Obi-Wan to Vader. She wisely uses Leia's bait to draw out the Jedi Master from hiding, and Reva quickly shows just how ruthless she is when she even kills her boss to catch her prey. It looks like there might be something personal driving Reva's anger towards Obi-Wan, but the first two episodes only drop tiny hints about their possible connection. Fortunately, Obi-Wan and Leia manage to escape Reva and the other Inquisitors, but not before the third sister reveals Anakin is actually alive. A glimpse at Christensen as the heavily scarred Vader at the end of the second episode promises a long-awaited confrontation to come. If these two brothers-in-arms didn't know about each other before, they absolutely do now. McGregor utterly sells Obi-Wan as both kind and haunted, playing a mix between his own prequel adaptation of the character 
in Sir Alec Guinness's original performance. The show doesn't hesitate to twist the knife at him. Leia reminds him of Padme shortly before Riva reveals Anakin is still alive. Instead of inventing a change of heart for the main character, like the Book of Boas Fett's Tusken arc did, Kenobi draws directly from the prequels using 20 years of history to tell a story with a clear through line. Yes, there's some sense that Disney Star Wars is eating its own tail here, presenting yet another lone man and kid story, like The Mandalorian. But hey, the formula ain't broke. From the very first trailer, I was intrigued by the idea of the fugitive Jedi of this era being incapable of truly staying out of trouble. As the Inquisitors say, a Jedi's compassion leaves a trail, in a way that tends to make Obi-Wan's life harder. McGregor sells the difficulty with which Obi-Wan resists helping people in need. The script also shades this with the question of how much Obi-Wan's altruism is anxiety or self-centeredness, though. Bale suggests that Obi-Wan's vigil on Tatooine isn't about Luke at all, but about Obi-Wan's feelings of having failed to save Anakin. As much as hiding from the Empire is a practical move, it's also a way for Obi-Wan to run from what he sees as his mistake. Even Kumail Nanjiani's fake Jedi con man named Hasha gestures toward the theme of the light side being more difficult. Owen Lars is another standout character. His lack of force sensitivity more than made up for his mastery of Skywalker-style snark. Part 2 is full of fun action, including bounty hunters inspired by the original trilogies. While some of the action feels floaty and like very obvious wire work, Ingram's third sister is firmly established. As a juggernaut, inner aggression contrasts nicely with the other Inquisitor's more alien patient menace. The Inquisitors also have that classic Star Wars villain antagonism for each other, like Darth Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin, or Kylo Ren and General Hux. There's a sliver of bickering workplace comedy among the space magic and laser torture that makes the Inquisitors richly entertaining. Teamwork is the realm of the good guys, but the bad ones are sure fun to watch. The episodes have hitches here and there. Order 66 flashback breaks the episode's otherwise refreshing focus. Grand Inquisitors. Makeup doesn't hold a candle to what his species looked like in the prequels. And if the Grand Inquisitor was really killed by Reva, creates a continuity problem since he's meant to show up again in the Rebels animated series which is set a few years after the events of Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're going to assume the Inquisitor leader isn't truly dead. The part two in particular was still delightful, with its straightforward action and humorous and cutting side characters. Blair's impeccable delivery makes her a more than worthy addition to the Star Wars Slate 2. And while this show's budget clearly pales a bit in comparison to even the prequel flashbacks, Kenobi's inventive embrace of the Star Wars spirit leaves me ready for more. And let us know in the comments section below what did you think of Kenobi, the first two episodes. Are you a fan of the show? Um, me personally, I rate it above the other, all the rest of the Star Wars shows. Like the first episode drew me in and makes me want to watch episode after episode after episode instead of just waiting till they all are released and then watch it. 
And hey, don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, give us a thumbs up if you like the video. And of course, check out our giveaway that we were doing, giving away a $25 Fandango gift card. The link to this giveaway is in the description. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. You have been watching the Cinema Gold Show. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema Gold Show. Find us on Instagram at The Cinema Gold Show. And on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Cinema Gold Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.